Hello and welcome to what episode is this? I don't know. Six, five, seven, yeah. ten. Five, something, something. Um, Numbers. An episode of uh, Spilling the Doctor Who Beans with uh, myself, Andrew Hall, and my ever faithful compatriot, Timmy Cassie. Aloha. And yeah, we're going to talk more about Doctor Who. Um, that's what we do. That's what, that's what we do, yeah. Let's go for it. Yeah. But this week, this week, is it a week? These don't come yeah. out weekly. They might no, need to start no. coming out monthly, but we can talk about that later. Yeah. Um, so this time, episode, we're going to be looking at the monsters from the 2009 specials. Yep. And also Attack of the Grask? Sure. Why not? Cool. We love the Grask, maybe. Do we? That's, Do we? We'll find out. But before we get into all of that, um, tradition dictates that we discuss the, the latest news. Yes. As we're recording this, it is the 18th of December, which yes. means we are, what, 10, 13 days away from the, the festive special. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen one trailer. We've seen some promotional images. I, I assume you've seen the promotional images. Um, Probably. Um, I don't so, know, but... uh, yeah. So let's talk about that. But before we get to the future Ooh. Ooh. of that, um, we've got some follow-up on everybody's favorite Doctor Who spin-off. The people have spoken, and it is unanimous. Daleks! Exclamation mark. Oh god! Is the greatest spin-off to ever have happened from Doctor oh, Who. Because I, because I watched or scrubbed through one episode, um, I now keep getting them popping up on my YouTube recommends, and I don't want to watch it. I don't. I have watched all of it. There are five episodes total, not six. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the Modrons are back. Yes. Mod- yes. I don't know. Mechanoids? Mechanoids, that's it. Yeah. What the fuck are Modrons are D&D monsters? Never mind, ignore me. Yeah. Very different realm of... No, Modron, is that some kind of folklore water god thing? I don't know. I, I, I know that Modrons are used as like little robot people in D&D, but yes, right. Mechanoids, that's, that's what... Mechanoids, about, but... yeah. Well, episodes, we talked about one and two last time. Episode yeah. three to five kind of follow the same format. Right. Where it's some badly animated robots talk at each other for a while. Mm. Yes. And then explosions, battle sequence. Mm. So it's all kind of very samey. Um, Riveting. The, the robots are the mechanoids for all of episodes three to five. So they do, there is a bit more of a story. Mm hmm. Uh, the whole thing, because it's part of the larger Time Lord Victorious narrative, um, ah. it it does feel like it ends a bit with a lot of questions unanswered. Is there not one no, more just, episode to go, though? Is there not six, or is it just five? No, there's only five, apparently. Okay, I thought they were doing six. Yeah, it, the kind of thing that would have six episodes, which is... yeah. Wrong, to be honest. I was expecting six, and then... True. But apparently not. Have you seen the big finish trailer 
for genetics of the Daleks, I think, is the story. No, I have not. You, you need to just remember that, um, aside from the announcement of like, the, the, the Time Lord Victorious stuff, because that kind of popped up on my Twitter a little bit, and the announcement that Christopher Eccleston was coming back, um, I don't get big finish news nine times out of ten, because it's not, it's not a realm of Doctor Who fandom that I dip in. Well, you're not missing out on much, but occasionally they do drop some nice-looking trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on. I'm going to send you it if I can okay. find it on YouTube. We will take a small ad break, which will allow for me to watch this trailer. Not that we have any ads to run on this podcast. Uh, we don't have any sponsors. We don't have. I'm sure we can make some up. Yeah, I'm sure we can make some up. If you want to unmute myself, I'll watch this trailer. You can spill for time. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm sending that to you now. Okay. Uh, on what messenger? Yeah. On messenger, yeah. So, podcast listener, I'll let you fill for time. Thirsty? <laughs> I know I am. That's why I have a cool, refreshing glass of Kunzel juice. You know what? Actually, I realised I'm just going to put my headphones in, and I'll do a live reaction to this trailer here. Um, I don't know how oh, good go content that's going to be. Um, but no one's listening anyway. No one's listening anyway. This is just for us to. Plug up the hole that is the fact that we're, the pubs are open, but we're still not allowed to. Act. So it's allowed... a bit of a commute, so. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That's... Okay, we've got a big hole in a spaceship. We've got flashing lights. We've got floating debris. Um, we've got like a little gun thing floating about. Sure, cool. Oh, we got a human. We got a little skeleton. Cool. This is fine. It all looks ominous. Oh, some ominous music. Yes. Dark hallway. Shadows moving in it. Oh, there's a Dalek. Hello. Oh. I kind of like the, the the rusted up horribleness of it. Huh. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That's kind of cool. That's... Imagine if Daleks had the production value of that, is my point. Oh, right, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. That just kind of shows you how... I mean, it's so close to being... Photorealistic. Hmm. It's it's animated it just... and CGI-ish enough to still be an animation and still look like a sort of low-budget sort of cutesy Doctor Who thing without looking like utter fucking garbage. Yeah. Because I've got it. I've got. I've still got it over me. The genetics of the Daleks trailer. And right next to it, right next to it, up next on the YouTube autoplay is episode five of Daleks: Day of Reckoning. And just between the still frame of this episode that I've got open now, which is the Dalek sort of just coming out of the shadow, next to that monstrosity that is Daleks, it's just like it's just bad. It's and I'm I'm, I'm aware that animation costs like a ridiculous amount of money to do. Like this trailer would probably was quite expensive. Yeah, but. <sighs> There's so much filler in the Daleks series. Like, I would rather have have had like a ten minute short of this with quality. this style of animation than mm-hmm. the whole, you know, hour or however long it was of Daleks. That's just my thoughts. I don't know. Yeah. Um, nice. While we're talking about the Daleks, shall we 
travel a bit back in time because I feel like I've had a lot of evolving thoughts. Okay. On... Oh, we're traveling back. Are we retconning the... episodes here? Is that what's about to happen? No. No, no. Um, it's just that in the last four weeks, you know, since we've we've done this, mm-hmm. um, I think it was the, the first week after we recorded the last episode, actually, mm-hmm. the new Dalek design was revealed. Ah, yes. So, um, what, what were your initial thoughts on the design, the new design what, in the TV of these show? New, of these new... Um cyberpunk led daleks yeah did you see the radio times cover no oh maybe maybe I'll, I'll it's like back. a dalek and it's snowing and... um maybe i might have done uh you're gonna hear the rattling of my keyboard here um dalek cover. Let's have a look. it says call the doctor on it freeze the dalek ah, okay. with a chilling new look i mean I don't, I don't hate it. There are bits about it I like. What bits do you like? I like the black. I think okay. I, I, I like the black and I like the inclusion of, like when you see them in the trailer for the episode, the, inclusion, yeah. the inclusion of the LEDs looks quite cool. Well, that's, my thing is when I, I saw the, the cover and the kind of initial couple of photos, uh. I really didn't like it. Yeah. But actually, when you see them yeah. in action, I, I think they look quite good. Yeah, I think, I think in this, with the, this, this um, if this is the model that they've got that, you know, um, Nicholas Briggs sits inside with his little microphone, um, or if it's... This one's remote control. There's no yeah. one in that, those Daleks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, if, this is, if this is one of the like actual models that they've taken photos of. It's quite obvious that they've just taken it in like a a horribly well lit um stark stark horrible um warehouse somewhere that they've taken photos of this and then just superimposed it onto the Radio Times thing. So I think yeah. it makes it look worse than it is because when you see them in the episode and they've got like it's nighttime. Um I think the from all of the stuff that I've seen from the trailer so far, the way that it seems to be they're only in the trailer, they're only shown at night time, which makes the LEDs look a lot cooler than they probably yeah. are. Um, Definitely. And so I don't, I, I actually don't, um, they're better than the, um, the Skittles packet that we got with um, Matt Smith. Yeah, I think the, the Skittles packet, uh, <laughs> as you call <laughs> That's it. That's what they are. That's what they are. They're just, it's like, Somebody's opened up a little packet of Smarties and scattered them everywhere and picked out their favourites, and that's that's the new that was the new look for the Daleks for what a season before they realised it was a bad idea. Yeah, it was basically just victory of the Daleks and Big Bang. Yeah. Then they they gave them a new paint job, some of them a new paint job for Asylum of the Daleks, and made mm. them kind of shiny, which I quite liked. They'd kind of grown on me by then. Um, but these these Daleks, um, the the new ones, are based on. Well, they look quite similar to the one from the last special. Mm, yeah, and I didn't hate I that believe, one either as a one-off. Yeah, well, that was good as a one-off, and then mm. there's been a lot of criticism, or there's been a 
a bit of criticism, well, especially when it kind of first came out, saying, oh, you know, that was supposed to be a one-off, these look too similar, blah, blah, blah. The, but to, in, uh... to, be, to be fair, though, what I will say is they do have a... They do look like something the British government would try to convince is a good idea. So yeah. if that's the plot line they're going for... Yeah. Well, I know. think it is. Is uh, Chris Chibnall in a, I think it was Doctor Who magazine or, or something like that. Right. Maybe it was the Radio Times. There was like a little mm -hmm. diagram breaking down. This is the Dalek's gun. It kills people. Hey, yay. That kind of thing. Yeah. And okay. one of the things was uh, the, the design is very similar to uh, whatever the, the last Dalek was called. It's almost as if this is a plot point. You know, shocked face emoji. Mm. So I, I do think nah, spoilers here. I don't know if you're how you feel about spoilers and set photography and that kind of things. I'm not that fussed. Um, I'm, I'm at one time I would have been very up about it, but we'll get to it when we finally, you know, in two years' time when we finally get to review the past, what is now the past two series of Doctor Who. Yeah, I kind of, I've kind of stopped caring as much now. Okay, well, the, there was some sneaky fans have got pictures of bronze Daleks on set for the special. Yes. So. Give us, give us the glorious bronze. They are New Who's Daleks. You can't take them away from their hours. Yeah. And what will probably happen is these new ones are manufactured by Boris Johnson or like Theresa May, I suppose, because this episode was written when Theresa May was still in power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the it, Theresa May analog will have yeah. contracted someone, probably the Trump guy, probably Trump to build, to build these Daleks. Yeah. Um, what what's what's the bet that he is being controlled by a Dalek in the same way that the policewoman was in? What what was what was the last one called? Was that just Revolution, or res Resolution? I think it was. Was that Resolution? Because obviously it's a. I think that was Resolution. Yeah. And I think this one's Revolution. Yeah, this one's Revolution of the Daleks. Yeah. Um, speaking of of Donald Trump, not Donald Trump. What do you think about <laughs> his return? I I knew he wasn't going to be a one-off character. It was fine in what Arachnids. And what was what was the episode called? Uh, Arachnids in the UK, something like that. Yeah, some, it was fine as like a secondary antagonist, but but cliche and stereotypy. Um, but then again, sometimes Doctor Who just needs cliche and stereotypy bad guys. Um, yeah, fine, I, I mean, it might I, as well be there. I don't, yeah. I, I don't have a problem right now. I will see if I have a problem come the time of the episode. Um, yeah. We'll kind of have to wait and see. It's yeah, but... one of those things that appeals to me in the sense that it's like kind of world building, -y, you know, like yeah, in the yeah. when you'd have Harriet Jones show up every couple of weeks, or yeah, it's it's nice. It's that kind of thing. Yeah, it's nice to have a little bit of that back, um, especially since I think on the whole, the Chibnall era has not really had that. Um, and, um, the, and the Moffat era had its own, and then the, the the Davies era also had its own sort of internal world building, um, in the sense that any time you saw scenes with 
aliens in the background. There was always the same sort of aliens. There's always there would always be a Jadun, there'd always be a Sladeen kind of just lurking about in the background. Um, Where they can drag out the props covered. Yeah, and you know, like the Ood, I I say part of the, the kind of typification of the, the Davies era. Um in the same way that like uh I suppose the the, the, the Silurians are the um the Moffat era because um Madame was it Vastra, is that her name? I forget. Vastra, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, she pops up a lot um uh, as like a part of internal world building. So you know, if if this Mr. Trump man um Trump analogue is going to be our a little recurring character who will be a thorn in our, our the fans side for a while. Sure. Yeah. You can do some and fun with them. Um, I think they probably they will. My expectations aren't high. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I always do have hope that one day Doctor Who will be as good as you know as as the era that as the eras that we have reviewed thus far. Um, I'm not going to lie. I feel like from now this marks the turning point. This episode, <laughs> anything after, I'm going to become a lot nastier Ooh. about Doctor Who. Just slowly but surely, it becomes a descent into me being nasty about Doctor Who. <laughs> oh dear. Good. <sighs> Uh, well, speaking of recurring characters, John Barrowman's return has been confirmed. Yes. Which I feel like everybody yeah. knew that was going to happen anyway. Yeah. But uh, it's nice to see him back. Yeah, it's good. We love him. We love him back. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for the episode simply for more Captain Jack. Um, I do like, I do, I, do, I do quite like the little bit in the trailer where Yaz kind of uh, takes the piss out of him a little bit. Um, I quite like that. It made me laugh. Yeah. Give me a little chuckle because, you know, Jack's cool, but sometimes he needs to be brought down a couple of pegs. You know. Yeah. I feel like that's true of John Barrowman in general. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! I'm sure he's a very lovely man. Oh yeah. It's... Yeah. I don't know. It's. I keep John Barrowman, reading... if, you're, John Barrowman if you're listening and you ever want to guest on the podcast, we'd be more than happy to have you. Um, oh, absolutely! Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep reading things that are like that. His antics on set that were probably like harmless, and pro- probably even quite funny, but like probably wouldn't fly today. Oh, oh, you know, like. I think he was known to get his dick out at random times. So, you know, it's... <sighs> John Barrow, man. The, 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 less, the less I know about him, the better, I think. Yeah. Um, I think I'll, I'll leave him as this, this fun little American Scottishman <laughs> who runs around in space and is very yeah. camp and very gay, and we love him. I don't yeah. want to hear about him doing horrible things. I don't want to accept it. Um, okay. And if I hear well, about it, someone I'm forced who... to accept it, and it annoys me. Uh, someone else coming back, or not coming back, as the case may be, Christopher Eccleston had his first recording for Big Finish the other day. God has returned, the king has returned. He can sit upon his rightful throne as the best doctor of all time. I cannot wait. This is what will, will get me into Big Finish, is the Christopher Eccleston uh, run as Doctor Who, because just just inject that straight into my veins, like like the, the, the geeky heroin addict I am. 
just just give me <laughs> just, just, just give me give me give me Christopher Eccleston, please. You've been reading too much Train Spot. I have been reading too much Train Spot. I bought the sequel as well to sit and read it. Um because I genuinely really enjoyed it. It's the first time I was forced to read a book for uni that I genuinely enjoyed. Um, it's a good one. It's a good one. We train spot on everyone. It's it's worth it. But yes, no, you, Christopher Eccleston is back, and I'm so excited. He's, did you see his interview on Lorraine? No. He did an interview from the from Big Finish's car park. It's quite. <laughs> of course, he did. Like. <laughs> I, I don't know who put him up to it because it's, it's a classic Christopher Eccleston. I don't really want to be doing this kind of interview. Oh, I love him so much. He's fantastic. Uh, and his Lorraine, Being Lorraine Kelly, you know, was like, well, you know, oh, maybe the, the doctor could re- degenerate and you could go back and play Doctor Who. Would you go back to the TV show? And he literally said, when hell freezes over. So, <laughs> yes, that doesn't bode well for him coming back to the TV show. But we've got the audio drop. Baby steps. <laughs> steps. I love him so much. I need to find this interview. I'll watch it once we're done here because that sounds hilarious. He's an icon. Mm. Uh, what is it he called? The Queen? Um, the Parasite Chief with her stupid hat? Stupid hat with her yeah. stupid hat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I respect him. him very much. Yeah. It's like the picture he shared, the spoilers banner on t- on the top. Uh, <laughs> going, Please don't share this on social media. You know, we work very hard and yada, yada, yada. And Chris Eccleson's just like, not giving a fuck. Was it, was it not from Big Finish's own Twitter, though, that he tweeted it? I'm sure. He, it was... put, he put it on Instagram first, and then about five minutes later, Big finish, put it up on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it. I love him. It's great. <laughs> okay, there's just a little bit more news. Mm-hmm. There's so much news today. What what else have we got? Here. So, uh, Chris Chibnall, oh. current showrunner, yes. is in an interview with. Doctor Who magazine or Radio Times or something like that um, has revealed exclusive details about the next series. Oh! But let me find the headline. I sent this to you already. Did you? Yes. So he's given some hints on what you can expect in the next series of Doctor Who. Speaking to Doctor Who magazine, he said, We are filming. Oh, yes, no, you did send me this. Yes. <laughs> so they are filming. And people have been watching them film and have taken some pictures. Obviously. So there were at least two returning monsters coming back next year. Cool. First one is... Well, I'll start with the smaller one because we can build up. I'll I'll send you these pictures. Oh, okay. I'm forwarding you this one now. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) For those of you listening at home, I've just sent Andrew a picture of the, the Weeping Angels. I don't on set. Every time you put a Weeping Angel in a story, Weeping Angels get worse. Every single we'll discover this when we get to what series six? Is that Angels in Manhattan or is that series seven? But that was either series seven. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get to it when we get there. I 
fucking hate that what that episode did to one of my favourite monsters of all time. Uh, okay, well, the, the next one might be the good news then. Because <laughs> this is a, a redesign of Oof. Classic Monster. Oh. <gasps> so it looks like we're getting this on Taran's back. That doesn't even look like a redesign, though. That looks like the old, the old Sontarans. Like the helmet looks yeah. more like the old, like what third or fourth Doctor. I'm pr- probably going back to the roots on this one. Yeah, the armor, I mean, the blue jumpsuits. I mean, I like I like the plate armor. For those listening that do not know, it looks like the the standard Sontaran helmet, but then from the neck down, it looks like medieval knight. Like plate armor, and it looks very cool. I like that. I like that. It'd be good. Oh, actually, I really like that. It looks a little bit cardboardy, yeah. but I imagine that's because it's a very low res image. Um, yeah, taken from a distance, I think. Yeah, but it's cool. Like, yeah. It. It's been so long since we've had a proper Sontaran story. Well, yeah, what well, well, it would have been. Um, Series four. Yeah. Uh, Poison Sky and what? What was Santana's strategy? That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Because up until then we've only really had what Strax as a Santana yeah. character, who's fun. He's but... just kind of comic relief, though. Yeah, he's not a real Santana. Not well, he is, but yeah. he's not a proper Santana. Yeah, so it'll be nice to get a proper. Yeah, it'll be good. Right. Get the chanting back. Get the. Some, some good old-fashioned warrior culture. Yeah, we love to see it. My only thing, both of these pictures have been taken on random suburban sh- Yeah, they <laughs> have. Like, like, it looks like the Weeping Angel is outside like a, a fancy council estate. The Sontarans look like they're maybe just around the corner from like a council building or a tenement flat. Yeah, the Sontaran ones, it's a little bit trickier to tell. Yeah, that could, that could be outside... Um, I don't know, BBC warehouses or, or somewhere. Like, yeah, but I think it's probably some kind of, you know, hospital or this yeah. official-looking building that they're using as a location that they've probably just had to put costume and makeup stuff outside. So, uh, hmm. But I think the Weeping Angels probably will be... Oh, yeah. Suburban that that setting because there's been more pictures of just Jodie Whittaker fucking around on a similar looking street. So hmm. I think they will it definitely does, be there. It does look like almost the exact same street that Sarah Jane lived on that they filmed. You know, it, it probably is. There's it only so is. many streets in yeah. in Wales. And then, and then what was because there was also um, a Peter Capaldi episode. The one with the... Uh, with the house. Yeah, and the, the um, Bill was in. Yeah, Bill, yeah. yeah. it looks yeah. like, again... Was that the one with the wooden woman in the loft? That was the one with the yeah. wooden woman. Yeah. Uh, wooden people, there. always a bad idea, but we'll, we'll get there. Will we? Well, I would hope we'll get there at some point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> years in the future, but we'll get there eventually. Yeah. yeah. So, right, that's that's all the news. I'm out of news. Yes, that's all the news. But just to come back to Chibnall with this, we're filming. Um, when is does that mean it's scheduled for either late 2021 or 2022 release? I think what they've said is late 2021. Right. Okay. I wouldn't be shocked if it was the same as this year, where 
it's January 2022 and they have the first episode as the New Year's special. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, yeah. That's what I was thinking. It's my fault. Um, did they not also say, though, that they're doing a shortened run as well? Yes, only I think it's eight episodes eight ep- or something. It's eight episodes as opposed to the 11 that we've been getting. I think so. Yeah, because it's 10 in a series and then the special. Yes. Um, yeah, because they dropped down from the, the usual 13. Yeah. I suppose it's fine if, because obviously I, I imagine the thinking behind that would be we can cut out more, most of the filler, which Doctor Who is very known for, is its filler. Um, the problem is, is that Chibnall then just proceeded to write episodes that seem to be only filler. Um, you know, but we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that when we get yeah. to it. That's, that's a future podcast episode. <laughs> An hour and a half long special where I shit on Chris Chibnall for a while. Uh, well, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I want to love this show so much. So. It's not allowed. Shall we? Match yes. of the day, top 10, these, these specials. Yeah, let's dive into actually good, finally, some good fucking food, as Randy <laughs> would say. Um, yeah, what, first up, next Doctor? Yes, I have done no prep for this, just as a warning. I, as I say, I, I, um, I completely forgot what happens in The Next Doctor and The Planet of the Dead. So I rewatched them this morning before this episode, before we sat down and record. Um, because the only thing I remember from the next Doctor is David Morrissey is a Victorian version of the Doctor um, and that's it so yeah next Doctor, not bad actually on a rewatch, I was expecting worse, I was expecting uh, worse people, people seem to like it it's, it's a yeah. good episode speaking of David Morrissey I forgot how like, I, I'm on record to say that I quite like David Morrissey. I think he's a very good actor. Um, since he, he played the governor on The Walking Dead, and he did a fantastic job there. And I've kind of tried to watch stuff he's been in since then. Um, and I think he's very good. I've kind of forgotten just quite how good he is in The Next Doctor. Um, yeah. You can tell he's just having fun. Getting to run around and just him and David Tennant have such a similar energy. Um, it was very, very fun. Uh, I very much enjoyed watching this morning, especially since it's Christmas time. Um, it was a nice... It's, it's probably the least Christmassy of all the Christmas specials. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. It just so happens no. to be set at Christmas time. No, no. I think that Runaway Bride is probably re- least Christmassy. No! The whole point is Donna yeah. gets her wedding on... Yeah, but you can have a wedding anytime. Yeah, but, but there's Christmas songs that feature in it. There's the Santas, yeah. the, the killer Santas. Yeah, but then, I don't know, there's just something about Victorian Christmas that feels Christmassy. It's snowing. No, I, I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I disagree with you. I think, I think it's, of all okay. the specials, it feels the least Christmassy to me, simply because it's, it's just Cybermen in the snow, isn't it? It's, yeah, but they do look menacing in the snow. They do look menacing in the snow. So I will say, snow helps Cybermen. makes them look very cool. Um, yeah, so, so villains for that one. Who have we got? We, do we, what's, I've forgotten her name already. Miss, Miss Harrigan, I think. 
Something like that. Hold on. Let me. Mercy. I know. Google. I know. Her first name is Mercy. Hartigan. 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 Yeah. Hartigan. Hannigan's Annie. Yes. Yeah. That's Annie. <laughs> God. Yeah. So what? Villains heart. And then do we want to separate the Cybermen and then the Cyber Shades, the dog ones? Yeah, it's yeah, going to be a fairly short list anyway. So yeah, because they they've been redesigned slightly. And Planet of the Dead uh, was fine on a rewatch. Just a fun Doctor Who episode. Yeah, it's one of those that I think I haven't seen it in years, but I think it's has the tendency to. It's quite forgettable as a Doctor yeah. Who episode. It's not. It's nothing. Not a whole lot happens. Yeah, it's nothing special. Um, it's just kind of. It would. It would just be a filler episode. It feels like when they came to sit down to write these specials, they needed. They thought that they said, "Right, we're going to do five. We'll do a Christmas and Easter, uh, um, what autumn one, and then the two, yeah. the, Christmas, the Christmas and New Year to round it all off." It feels like they kind of they didn't need this one to begin with, but didn't want to do a Christmas and then an autumn, and we have like a whole nine months without a Doctor Who episode. Um, yeah, that's kind of what it feels like to me. So they flung in Planet of the, and while it's fun, you know Lee Evans is there as a little wacky Welsh scientist. Oh yeah, he's fun. He's fun. Um, Michelle Ryan um, as Lady Christina D'Souza or whatever her name is. Yes, D'Souza. That is correct. Yes, uh, is. Fun. She's a nice little one-off companion. Um, yeah. Her and David Tennant will get some nice chemistry on screen. Very fun. Um, but on the whole, it's kind of forgettable. Yeah, you're right. It does. Not... It does though. It does though. Give us the at the very end. The whole purpose of this episode feels like so that there could be a psychic character on the bus to tell the Doctor that he will knock four times. That's the purpose of this episode. Is so that they can shoehorn in the he will knock four times thing at the very end. Um. In terms of villains, what we've got stingrays, the flying yeah. stingray monsters. Because we can't, we can't count the fly people as villains. They're not villains. No, I think they're, they're fairly sound. Yeah, as far as fly people who eat shit. Apparently, yeah. um, well, we've all been there. Have we? Have things yeah. really got that bad in Manchester? Friendly? <laughs> Do I have to send the care package? Uh, well, let's. Yeah. We are forgetting with Planet of the Dead that it did spawn everyone's favourite Doctor Who spin-off, the Lady Christina adventures. Yes, her and her bus. Big Finish productions. Of course Big Finish did a, did a series, of course they did. They do love stories. It does feel like the ending of this, the, the ending of Planet of the Dead, is basically a carbon copy without the actually interesting bits of the end of The Doctor's Daughter. Yeah, basically. It's just the exact same ending, except this time it's not got cool Time Lord shit going on. It's just a random woman steals a flying bus. And that's a headline. <laughs> this, this ex, well, I suppose still is some form of noble woman of the, Brit- the, the United Kingdom who has resorted to thieving um, artifacts, steals a flying bus, and disappears. Oh man, the, I'm just reading the synopsis for oh. this box set. It's How many wild. episodes? There's four episodes in the, this first series. Um, episode two Sylvia Noble always knew she deserved better. 
Oh no! So when a chance encounter with aristocracy propels her out of Chiswick and into high society, she's delighted. But the beautiful people have their own agenda, and Christina is surprised when those plans involve her father. Wait, Sylvia Noble? Sylvia Noble, Donna's Maw. Donna's fucking Maw. And Lady Christina. Yeah. <laughs> the last one in the box set um, is set in Edinburgh Castle, though. Oh! So, lovely. Uh, lovely. Yeah. At the same time, Unit are investigating alien activity at the military tattoo. Where there's treasure and treachery, there are also Slovene. Ooh. Ooh, big finish. We love stories. So that's that. <laughs> sure. So, planet, end of the story, Planet of the Dead is the Stingrays. Cool. Yeah. Um, what are Yeah. I see this, I think I see this. I think this might be one of my favourite Doctor Who. Yeah. But I see that about one episode. Um, you do. I do. I do. If it's not Blink, it's Midnight, and if it's not Midnight, then it's Dalek, and if it's not Dalek, it's Waters of Mars, okay? Because I just love Waters of Mars so much. The yeah, water people are is. creepy, David Tennant is acting up a storm, themes and the music and the moment, it's just such a good Doctor Who episode. It really is. And it's, it's partly why I stopped, I, I didn't watch it this morning. Because um, I nearly just re- let, let Netflix run on and just play it. Um, but I had to stop myself because I went, no, because if I watch this, it will spoil the previous two because they will just pale in comparison to Waters of Mars. Yeah. Waters of Mars is good. So good. Such good. Ten more Victorious is wrong. Oh, it's so good. Oh, oh. No. We've got to move on or I'm going to sit and... Nicholas Briggs would disagree about the Time Lord Victorious being wrong. It's... Um... Part one and two. Yeah, so you've got the uh, water as the villain, and yes, yes, the water people. The water is no one else really. Um... No, that robot does annoy me. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a. No, it's not a villain. If we, if we were putting things that annoy us on the list, then what's his face from the first series, Mister Implant in the Head? Adam, Adam, him. He would have been on the fucking list if I probably things that annoy us. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned it at the time, but he's he's like in prison now. He's a sex offender. <laughs> what is he? Okay. Yeah. Right, I did not know this. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Bruno Langley is the actor. So oh. he, he mostly was on Coronation Street. Um, right. In October yeah, 2017, I think that's, I think that's uh, recognizing Tom. Yeah, a spokesman uh, for Coronation Street confirmed that his contract had been terminated. Greater Manchester Police later announced he had been charged with two counts of sexual assault, both wow. of which he pleaded guilty. So we can we can put him up there with um, what's his face, Gareth Roberts. Yeah, as people whose instant inclusion in an episode of Doctor Who ruin it. Um, and instantly yeah. demote it to what, what what were we calling it? The chod? What what was the chumps? What the riff raff, riff raff. Instantly. The riff raff. <laughs> chod and chumps. I'm not anything <laughs> like riff raff. Yes. Yeah. So he he is. Wow. He's not in prison, but he's got a twelve month community service order, forty days of rehab, and 
has a curfew and an electronic tab. A tag? Tab. Tag. Fucking hell. So, tag. It should be in prison, but the justice system has failed. Uh, Pretty much, yeah. Tory Britain. Uh, listener, Tory Britain. Um, Marvel. Yeah. Um, anyway, end of time. Yeah. Who's bad there? Oh, um, well, John Sim, obviously. Yeah. And I nearly said Timothy Oliphant there. No, Tim- Timothy Dalton. Uh, yeah. Rassilon, very creepy. Very creepy indeed. Is there anyone else you would like to add? Uh, there's the Sontaran at the end that the Doctor wallops with a hammer. Um, oh, yeah. I don't think we need to count the Sontaran at the end. But... Oh, okay. Uh... <laughs> uh, Wilf, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> no! We can't <laughs> kind of kill him. <laughs> to be fair, though, if we were going to include him, he instantly gets the top spot, simply because I love him so much. <laughs> he's he's the greatest companion that never was. Bernard Crevins has just fantastic. He uh, he should have got. Um, he, he should have got. He, he should personally. I would have put him early on, and he could have just been the companion from Planet of the Dead onwards, and just had him yeah. through this whole thing. Uh, but then again, what Romano doesn't work. That's he is an icon. It's. The um, well, all I'm saying is, Wilf deserved the trip in the TARDIS, and the fact that he doesn't get one is, yeah. you know, the bit in Journey's End is it Journey's End? Yes, when he shoots the Dalek with a paintball gun. Yeah, Bernard Cribbins read the script and called up Russell T. Davis and was like, You know, I think it would be really cool if I was to shoot a Dalek in the eye with a paintball gun. <laughs> Russell T. Davis was like, <laughs> Yeah, that does sound really cool and put it in. <laughs> nice. Well, it's that, um, again, fact check anything I see ever, because I might just be making it up. Um, and it's probably because I found, found out this fact because I read it on Reddit at some point. It's now just been ingrained in my, fa- my brain as a fact. But the bit in End of Time where, he, where he's talking, the doctor's mother, question mark? We're not quite sure who that woman is, but maybe. Um, yeah. On the TV, and she's she says, you know, um, fought in a war and never killed a man, and he he does the whole you say that like it's a bad thing. That as well was Bernard Cribbins' inclusion, because he himself fought in World War Two and didn't kill anyone, and is incredibly proud of that. So he wanted to bring that into Wilf's character because they're both veterans and stuff, which I think's very interesting. Yeah. But again, fact check me. I might be talking it's so lots. lovely. Um, you'd need to so behind the scenes for that episode to double check my facts, but I think mm. it's true. So we've now reached the end of time itself. Um, are we going to include any of the other kind of odds and sods? Well, you're adamant that we're including the Grask, so the Grask is here. Uh, yeah, I think we should include the Grask. Fine. I have no time for um, the Grask. I don't care about it. <sighs> No, attack the Grask. We should have done it with Series 2, because it's... Yes. Then we were going to talk about the animated stuff, but I didn't really... Well, I, I attempted to watch Dreamland and then wasn't paying enough attention. So I didn't really soak any of it in. And I, I almost completely it. forgot until I texted you last night. Um, yeah. So, so we're just going to ignore that. Yeah, we're going to ignore them. Let's, let's be honest here. Who has actually watched them? Or who who is in any way going to rewatch them? 
are quite difficult to find these days. Exactly. Um, I have a vague memory of watching uh, Infinite Quest as it was coming out. I see as I Google it. Yeah, yeah, looking at the, the pictures and stuff of it, I do remember watching it when it came out. But that was it. And that should technically have been done with Series 3. Because it's Martha's story, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, oh, so, shall we start the ranking? Yeah, well, an hour it. into this podcast. Oh God, yeah. We can we can trim down some. Let's let's go. Um, I would okay. I would, just just because you're my friend, Finley, I will not put the grass at the bottom. See, they have value. We'll put the stingrays at the bottom. Yeah, definitely. If ever there was riffraff, it's these fucking yeah. went down at the bottom. There. No. It's just occurred to me that they're shit patings. Or maybe patings are shit string- stingrays. I don't want to think about the pating. <laughs> oh, that's... Pating's in the special. Did, did you not spot the pating in the trailer? Is it? There's, there is a pating in that prison. <laughs> no. No. I want to... I don't want to think about discounts. Like, like Chipno just thought, what would be a fun little bad guy? Fuck it. Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. We'll go for that. I love Pating. I hate Pating. I hate it so much. <laughs> oh, God. No. I mean, yes. Yeah. The Pating is a shit stingray because the stingrays at least look quite cool. Like, yeah, they, see, they fly. There's hordes of them. Like, they turn entire planets to sand. There's some cool stuff going on there, but they're just kind of meh. Yeah. And execution. And they're not very threatening. One of them almost eats um, Lady Christina. Yeah. That's the only time they're ever genuinely threatening. They come through the wormhole at the end and Unit just gun them down as Unit is prone to do. Classic unit. Classic unit. Love that for them. If you don't understand it, shoot it. Yeah. Great fun. Yeah. So Stingray is number 10. Then I'm putting the Grask in after it. No, I disagree. What what else is there? The Cyber Shades. No, 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 no. No, because they look really cool. Do they? Yeah. Just a face mask with a rug attached. But... I like the concept. We've already got Cybermats. Just a bit redundant. No, but Cybermats are like Cybermice, basically. Yeah. Yeah, whereas these guys are Cyberdogs. Do we need Cyberdogs? Yes, because I... Is that a thing we need? I I quite like the idea that Victorian Cybermen create... or, Or Cybermen in the Victorian era create Victorian Cybermen, which results in these sort of bronze-plated metal mask dog monsters. There's something... There's just something quite cool about them. Okay. Well, I don't have much to say to defend the Grask, unfortunately. So... Shall we... You, you shall, we do, shall we do a first on the podcast, and shall we put them on level pegging? And uh, Yeah, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. We'll be nice, right? I won't be mean about the grass. The grasks do feel inherently Christmassy. Like, 
Why? Because the Attack of the Grask is a Christmas story. Is it? Yes! Sure. It's a Christmas story where David Tennant looks at you through the TV and says you're doing a good job. It's great. <laughs> All I want for Christmas is David Tennant to say nice things about me. Yeah. Or if you push the wrong buttons, he says you're shit. <laughs> <laughs> David Tennant reaches through your telly, slaps you, tells you to do better next time, and then goes back to the TARDIS. Basically, it's great fun. Fine. Cyber Shades and Grass can go level pegging for the first time on the podcast. We're never doing this again. We're never level pegging anyone again. Mildly. The one off, because it would be nice. Cause it's... Now it gets difficult. <sighs> Yes. Now it gets big. I kind of now want to put, yeah, Miss Miss Hartigan. Ooh, I don't know. I would have said the Cyberman next. Nah, I think, I don't know. There, there's something about her that I just, I didn't enjoy watching it this morning. I was like, mm. eh. You as far as I can remember, I've always enjoyed her performance. But yeah, she's good. I, I just she does kind of fall into that archetype of you know strong businesswoman yeah evil I, I don't know it is it is something I thought and I don't I don't want it to weird one yeah because like she she's meant to have this amazingly spectacular mind for her time enough to overpower like cybermen emotion inhibitors and stuff like that and that's kind of the, the point is that she has this idea of creating a, a new cyber empire at the end one fueled with passion and stuff which I, I like as an idea i think it's interesting but but if the one thing that i i think annoys me about the episode is if she has the most brilliant mind in victorian england right she is one of the brightest sparks of her generation why the fuck is she surprised that the Cybermen have turned against her? Why did she not see that coming right at the very end? Why did yeah, she well... be surprised when the guy turns around and goes, that, that was designated a lie? And she's like, oh, no, come on. If you're supposed to be like the brightest spark of your generation, you should have seen this coming. It's... Yeah. I do like the fact okay. that she turns up at the graveside in the red dress and the Cybermen kind of peer in the background and stuff. That's quite a cool scene. But it's made cool by the Cybermen. Yeah, okay. Um, if, if, yeah, if we're including the big clockwork giant fuck-off Cyberman okay. at the end as part of the Cybermen, which I'm assuming we are. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you yeah. her next. Miss Hartigan. Uh, I think yeah. Cybermen above, yeah. Yeah, and then the Cybermen slash Cyber King, because that's what they call it. Yeah. Which I hate as a... I don't know why. I hate it. I just hate it. Well... Feels, feels to me like Cybermen is this... Is this it's like Cybermen to me, to make it a weird... Cybermen to me are always very much kind of the... Like, almost like the... If the Daleks are the fascists, then Cybermen are like the extremist, most Stalinistic communist. And this like obsession of equality, equality through removing all forms of difference. So to me, to have a cyber king feels wrong. It just doesn't compute with this sort of idea that's built with the cyber yeah. king. It doesn't fit. I mean, 
that's an interesting point that I was watching something the other day. Um, what was it? The, well, some YouTuber, PooTuber, haha, <laughs> isn't that funny? Um, trying to find it now. Um, is doing, I think it's called Cyber Sember or something like that, where they're right. reviewing a different Cyberman story each day, basically. Okay, okay, that's good. And uh, Samuel Davis, who does the Broke Cannon videos, mm. had an appearance, which is why I ended up watching it. Yeah, I think it was a review of The Flood, which is an Eighth Doctor comic story, which yes. by all accounts great, but they were talking about that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and they were saying that actually, maybe it wasn't The Flood. No, it was Spare Parts was the review I was watching. That was the other one, right. which is a big Finnish story. Okay. It's kind of Genesis of the Cybermen. And the Doctor arrives on Mondas. Um, their society is kind of falling apart. The, mm. the air outside this dome that they're all living in is, isn't breathable anymore. They're all kind of upgrading their organs, that sort of thing. Okay. And he was saying that it's, he doesn't, I think he was quoting someone else to add to this chain of tenuous links. Uh, uh-huh. It was something along the lines of um, people say the Cybermen are communists, but actually what they are is a society so kind of desperate and crumbling that they're driven. It's all about survival as opposed to political ideology, which I thought okay, was quite yeah. interesting. But no, yeah, yeah, I can definitely get behind that. But I think that I think that's definitely how they started. I would say, but when you're looking at like fully fledged cyber quote unquote empires, as they're kind of referred to, like like in um, I don't know, I don't know. I just think I I just feel like. King and emperor and all that sort of stuff. That's just intrinsically Dalek to me. And that's probably yeah. from the Dalek Emperor. So I just have a thing with it becomes a problem when races all just start to use the same words or things. They kind of lose. It's one of the first instances of like Daleks and Cybermen becoming the line between them becoming blurred. Um, yeah. Like how Asylum of the Daleks should have been a Cyberman. Yeah. Like Definitely. the the concept of Clara being a Dalek works so much better if Clara is a Cyberman. Like it just makes so much more sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think you do get two kind of distinct types of Cyberman story. Yeah. Like you either get the kind of body horror, mm. kind of scavengy survival type, yeah. more. Rise of the Cybermen or Tenth uh, Planet or World Enough of Time, that sort of yeah. thing. Then you get the kind of fully fledged Cyber Empire, which is more like the uh, what's what's the newest ones called? Um, the one that came before Timeless Children. You know the one I mean, the Jodie Whittaker one. Yeah. Or yeah. Um, say. Uh, Nightmare and Silver. That like those kind of mm-hmm. VR, an army of Cybermen upgrading the universe. Yeah, I th- and I think that's the the upgrading the universe thing feels to me like that sort of, and it's not communism because I, I don't think it because it, it, it's not communism. 
but it, it's it's that twisted version of that in the sense that they are after they think that there is that logic of of upgrading and you know doing a doing a favor to these weaker entities and to create this sort of equal their, their idea of an equal society where everyone is the same and everyone is a cog in this cyber society that they have built and stuff and it it it, it feels like that twisted version of a, a kind of really twisted horrible version of a sort of communist society and then yeah. the, when, when it comes down to the more like kind of body horror stuff is where you get more of that sense of what you're talking about the the the, the society desperate to survive stuff is what you get in the more body horror stories. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I like the sound. I think they're yeah. very cool. When they're I done think... right. It just so happens that they're not being done well um, recently, I don't think. Yeah. So we're dead. Yeah, we are. Um, I think it... Feel, I feel horrible. It's, I almost want to say John Sen because he's a. I don't know why. I just, I, I just have in the back of my head every time I think about something good in those episodes that he does. In the back of my head, I have him stuffing hamburgers into his face. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of ruins it a little bit because that scene always makes me laugh because something <laughs> so stupid about it. And he's talking about pork and beef and bacon, and it's, it's oh. All these plosive sounds coming out of his mouth as he's munching hamburgers. And I, I only, like, having been an actor, like, for backers, um, for, for a recent um, university thing, we had to, there was a whole, a whole scene where I had to eat cheese for a lot of it. Yeah. And we kind of, there was a part where we drilled that scene over and over again. I was only eating a bit of some grated cheese, and that was hard <laughs> enough. But the amount of takes he would have had to have done of just stuffing yeah. hamburger in. I kind of feel bad for him. Like, I can, I can never watch that scene without thinking, oh my God, that, that's, that, that must have been a nightmare to film. And it, it just makes me laugh. Uh, yeah, I think it's got to be Johnson next. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I, I just, I, no, because I, I want to linger on, on Johnson, this reappearance of Johnson's master. Because he comes back three times. And obviously we'll get to him when we get to um, more than a, um, but I don't, I don't know how I, this is the thing, I, I never know how I feel about the end of, because I like him. I like that he came back. It's very fun. I like this light redesign. I, as much as it, it's really stupid and he doesn't have, there isn't really any proper explanation for why he has lightning powers now, but I just kind of yeah. like that he has lightning powers now. Sometimes he's a skeleton. Like, what, Sometimes what's that he's a skeleton. There's, there's something very fun about it, but at the same time, it doesn't make any fucking sense. No. Uh, so it's fun, but it, yeah. And I do, I genuinely love the kind of, the little bit of redemption he gets. It. Yeah, and I think that kind of undone in World Nothing Time, but it, it does, does kind yes. of set up where the master is going with Missy, and you know, many many years down the line. Well, that's that's the thing, and that's kind of why I liked Missy so much. Was that I liked the idea that 
by going back and because because you don't really know what happens to him at that point. Yeah, I'm sure Big Finish will do something with it at some point. Well, because because my assumption would be that he knocks the Time Lords back into the Time War, and either well, but the thing is that he can't. Because it's not like he knocks them back and in that moment when Gallifrey disappears, he and Rassilon and those Time Lords that are there all die because Rassilon is then featured in Heaven's... Uh, not Heaven's End, uh, Hellbent. Yeah. Um, as a different version of Rassilon, so the theory is that he is regenerated between that those two points in time. Well, I think there's, there's a significant time gap. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Does that mean that, because obviously that means that they got knocked back into Gallifrey, does that mean that John Sims' master was still on Gallifrey at that point and had just been hiding the whole time? And then once um, Capaldi's doctor kind of lets him out, or lets, lets Gallifrey out and can then, you know, he spends, or, or well, no, not, not, you know, once Gallifrey is yeah. out of time and kind of allowed to be a thing again, like does that mean that's when John Sims Master gets out, and then, or does he regenerate in a messy at that at some point in there, and that's when he gets because God, I don't want to. Does think he regenerate that. into Missy at all? Yeah, does he regenerate into Missy at all? Because is there not the assumption that Missy is, or I like, I like the idea of the final yeah. version of the Master. That's that's where the Master finishes, and everything is pre-Messy. Yeah, but, I, I like that as well. Yeah, because I don't like the idea that Missy regenerates into Sasha Dewan, um, because that completely undoes all of the work of of whatever it'll be twelve, no eleven, ten, ten, God, nine. I suppose if you want to go proper Missy. Yeah. Oh no, ten. Nine and ten, because she's in both. Yeah, I forgot she was ten. There you go. Yeah, because nine is where she's, and then ten is kind of yeah. her redemption arc um, over the yeah. course of the. Uh, but yeah, no. So I, I forget what my original point was, but yeah, something. It's, this the, that that version of the master. We don't know what happens once at the end of end of time. We just know that somehow he ends up on a Cyberman ship for well enough in time. Um, yeah, and at the end of that mm. story, he regenerates into. Someone, maybe Messi, maybe Sasha Dolan, maybe somebody we haven't even met yet. Yeah, and at some point he goes off and has some big Finnish adventures. Yeah, yeah. Um, I assume that that's between. Yeah, well, that that does this does this mean that he technically has lightning powers and um, more than often time, or are the lightning powers just gone now? Is that who knows? I think I think we've made a fatal mistake here. And that we're attempting to understand Doctor Who timelines um, and yeah. what is actually Doctor Who canon. And that's never going to get I mean, for anyone. Who knows? Maybe he goes and regenerates into Sasha Dewan or something like that. And then Sasha Dewan regenerates back into Johnson. <laughs> yeah, he regenerates back into Johnson with a beard this time. Um, yeah, it's a totally different person. It's a, they've got yeah. a beard. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe that wasn't even John uh, John Sim's master. Maybe that was just they they got John Sim to come back and do his best uh, Delgado impression. Yeah, sure. Maybe. Why not? 
<laughs> Who knows? In that case, it wasn't a particularly great Who Apparently, even though we've only had like six or seven regenerations of, somehow has a more confusing timeline than the Doctor, who <gasps> has apparently had thousands of regenerations that we didn't know about. It's all body jumping and Eric Roberts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, sure, fine. Um, okay, so we've avoided it for long enough. The top two. Who, who gets your number two slot? Well, I feel like at this point we might as well just say who's... Okay. Who do you think is number one? It's, it's got to be Waters of Mars. Water people. Has to. Ooh. They're so terrifying. They're so creepy. They're, they're instrumental in possibly David Tennant's finest moment as a doctor. They, they just they take the top spot for me any day of the week. I knew sitting down to this, I was like sitting down and went, I know that they, I'm battling out for second and third is John Sim and uh, Timothy Dalton. A Timothy Dalton film, man. He's good. He's really voice. good. He's fantastic. And that's the thing is that these, this top three spot is such, it's so hard, hard fought between the three of them because they've all got something really strong. You know, Dalton's like just presence every time he's on screen is so overwhelming in a sense. Yeah. Because that cliffhanger as well at the end of Time Part 1, like because he's credited in the first part as just narrator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you get that Alifrey reveal in it. It's not one that's talked about as much, but it's, it's for me it's up there with the whole Yana thing and all, all, the, all the great Doctor Who cliffhanger reveals. Yeah, it's very good. It's very, very good. But, but, we're judging, if we're judging uh, Timothy Dalton's performance, if we were to judge this on who has the best performance, he takes the top spot easy. But, we're judging villains. He doesn't do much until the last 15 minutes of the end of time part. He's just kind of there. Uh, he does it really well. (laughs) He does it really well, but he doesn't, whereas those water, those watery fuckers are (laughs) terrifying. And they are like the Terminator level of constant threat throughout the entire story. And it's so spine-chilling. Like, like, I talk about how scary the, the, the Weeping Angels are in Blink and how genuinely terrifying the Dalek and Dalek is. But none of it comes close to Waters of Mars because Waters of Mars is genuinely a fucking horror story. Like, it's... They're just so... It's, in terms of... If, it, as we are ranking villains, they are the perfect villains because they are fucking terrifying. Yeah. And they do have that midnight... Entity, yeah, yeah, like force of nature thing going yeah. for them. Well, well. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that it's there's that there's that line that um that Tennant has about how water always wins because water can just wait, it will always yeah. win, and it's just it's so true. It's that thing of no matter what, no matter how, no matter what falls in this story, these these things will win. Yeah, and it's it's that. I made the comparison to Terminator. It is that Terminator thing of just this constant pursuing force of nature that you cannot stop. The reason that film, like, you know, 
as much as it's a bit dated now in terms of effects and stuff. But the reason that film is still lauded as one of the great sci-fi action films is because it's it's genuinely terrifying in a sense because there is that same just force of nature you cannot stop this thing feel to it and it yeah i'll give you it then uh, water at the top of the tree water at the top of the tree yeah fab so our top seven then at number seven Stingrays from Planet of the Dead. Yes. Number a joint number six. You've got Gareth Roberts' finest creation, the Grask. And no, no, fuck it. I forgot it was him. I forgot it was him that made it. <laughs> no, nope. you shouldn't have said his name, otherwise I would get away with it. Nope. Ah. Uh, forgot. Surely, surely. <laughs> They still beat out Gareth Roberts' second finest creation, the Stingrays from Planet of the Dead. Oh, fuck! <laughs> I that as well. <laughs> Fine. Okay, so at eight, we've got the Stingrays. There you go. There we are. At seven, we've got the Grask. Yes. At That's six, we've got the Cyber Shades. <laughs> at five, we've got Miss Hannigan, everyone's favourite alcoholic. Orphanage owner. <laughs> um, <laughs> number four, you've got the Cybermen, Cyber King, Cyber Lords, Cyber whatever they were. Uh, at number three, John Sim as Skeletor. <laughs> uh, James Bond at number two. James and Bond. a puddle at number one. A <laughs> puddle at number one, yes. Smashing. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. That's Join it. us. I, Next. I, no, 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 no. Hold on. Before we finish, I very much feel like we need to. Maybe, maybe. maybe I don't know. I, I feel like we should keep recording. We should maybe, maybe you can edit this bit out. Um, oh dear. I, I feel like just just to pause the recording for a moment. I feel like we need to do a a, a sign off here. And I feel like we do need to do like just just a little twenty minutes talking about David Tennant in general because this has come to the end of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can talk about David Tennant now. It's... Do we want to do a, a Merry Christmas sign-off thing? Yeah. Well, well, let's talk about David Tennant first because I'm probably okay. not going to edit this. So. Oh, that's okay. Fine. Um, apologies, podcast listeners, for the absolute fucking mess. That... It's all right. No one's listening anyway. Yeah, no one's listening. Yeah. We've come to the end of David Tennant's run. Of Russell T. Davis is wrong. This is it. We we say farewell to what I would call as the golden era. Any particular highlights? Any any? Um. Oh no. God damn! It, I put you on the spot. <laughs> you did. Um. I just I just feel like we before we move a... on. I feel like we just have to do a little retrospective. Um. And just because we didn't obviously, we, I mean, we waxed lyrical about Chris Eccleston's book probably long enough um, at the start of this episode alone to remind <laughs> just how every so often I will throw in the reference to the fact that Christopher Eccleston is, is the greatest performer who has ever touched the Doctor as a character. Oh my. He is, he is. I think Kylie Minogue would have something to say about that. <laughs>
I thought you were going to say Peter Capaldi there, and I was like, okay, that's a genuine, that's a genuine counter-argument. But no, Kayla Minogue. Kayla Minogue. Yeah. <laughs> She's a pretty great artist. She's touched the doctor. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's, yes, I just, as I say, this, this is the end of the golden era for me. Because um, it's not that I, I fell out of love. I didn't. I think, I think it's probably because Matt Smith era started kind of roughly at the time that I was getting to like an age where it wasn't cool to like Doctor Who, so I liked it in secret. So I didn't talk about it as much, I just kind of watched it. Whereas up until this point, me and all of my mates watched Doctor Who. Um, But it now now became a point of Doctor Who's not not as cool anymore uh, so we don't watch it. Um, The fact that you and your mum sit down every Saturday night to watch it is sad and I will make fun of you because of it. So I just stopped talking about being more bullied than I already was for being ginger. Um, <laughs> you know. Sure, you are ginger. I am ginger. Um, unlike the Doctor Who uh, of the Doctor. So, you know, who's winning there? <laughs> maybe um, T-Jap was right. Maybe T-Jap was right. I think, I just think that, yeah, and it is nostalgia speaking, but this is, this is the golden era. Um, it's got all the best stories, and as much as it does, I do think to give him his due before next episode, I I sit and tear into him. Moffat does have moments where he does reach the same highs, probably, but he never sustains yeah. it, and it never has the same feeling. You know, um, I saw a, a post the other day there that was someone talking about talking about Christopher Eccleston's Doctor and how they they don't write them like this anymore. Because you know that that the single greatest moment in all of is what are you killer or coward coward any day? It's fantastic. Gives me goosebumps every time I watch it without fear. I love it. Followed by it was that screenshot of the, with the subtitles over it. Followed by <laughs> the um, the. Oh, I forget what the episode's called. But the, the the episode where they go to get Amy and baby Melody back in um, Matt Smith's run, where he blows up an entire Cyberman fleet to send them. Oh, yeah. Right? And it was like comparing those two of just like how times... Have, and it was like, it went into the, like the post then stuff went into the, 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 the textual an- analysis of that and how, you know, Nine is the Doctor Who is, is grieving and then Matt Smith is doc- uh, you know, Eleven has become this Doctor who is more of a warrior as much as he tries to hide it, has this real darkness. Yeah. But my, my point is, is that I think this is why this was the golden era. It's because I think even the ND special typify that, that sense of these are the ones that really boil down the, the, the essence of who the Doctor is, is, is very much someone who does not want to blow things up does not want to have to kill people. You know, I never would. And Matt Smith's doctor preaches that and sticks to that line of, that's what he says, but his actions do not necessarily always mirror. And it's, yeah. it, and I think it's, it's that thing that Moffat kind of loses. And then I think if the ninth, if Rose had been in a similar situation, then I think the Ninth Doctor probably would have, you know, torn apart whole fleets of Cybermen or Daleks or whatever 
to save her. But I think, yes, I agree with you. But the difference is more from a showrunner and from a production standpoint is that a lot of those moments for Eleven are very much portrayed as, like, that's portrayed as a heroic moment. As Jose yeah. is such a badass. Whereas I think with the RTD era, a lot of it comes down to, like, those moments are never, they're never that. Like, because if it was, I feel like if you were to do Runaway Bride when he's blowing the shit out of the Rachnos and just, like, basically genociding an entire species because these are the last of the Rachnos. As you do. That is portrayed as a, as a horribly dark moment. And it takes Donna to stop him. Whereas I feel like if that was Smith doing it, there would be the um, his jaunty theme song music in the background um, and portrayed as like an action hero moment. And I think yeah. that's the difference between the eras um, and how moments like that are portrayed. And I think it's, yeah, it's something I miss with my Doctor Who. Because now you've got, um, you know, Capaldi has moments like that, and I think he, he has a nice sort of grandfatheriness to a lot of, or, or either grandfatheriness or weird uncle vibes to a lot yeah. of what he does. Um, I think he's like weird aging punk uncle. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he gets his hero, obviously, my favorite, we'll get to this later, but my favorite Capaldi moment is his. Um, uh, the the Zygon inversion speech about war, and that right, <laughs> very rightly is portrayed as a heroic moment because that is that's I think the closest that Moffat in his tenure ever came to properly typifying who the Doctor is and who the Doctor should be of yeah. just sit the fuck down and talk. This is all of this is stupid. You don't understand what you're dealing with here. Um. And then when you get to Chibnall's era, we just see none of that, to be fair. Um, yeah. Chibnall era is very much... The Chibnall era reminds me a lot of Lib Dems. <laughs> yeah, because I think I know exactly where you're going with this. It's very much, on the surface, super woke, like, super diverse. And then actually, if you, like, look at the episodes, like... Kerblam is very pro-Amazon anti-unionization. <laughs> like I don't I don't actually think I saw Kerblam. I don't think I watched that one. It's it's an enjoyable episode. The villain is actually like workers wanting rights. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. And well. there's just stuff like that. Yeah, and then there's like oh, yeah. what arachnids in the UK where they're like, no, we can't, we can't kill these creatures. That's wrong, but we'll lock them in a safe for them to starve to death for all eternity. Yeah. We'll do that. That's a solution to the problem. What? Yeah, it's a, it's a very lib dem era. It just doesn't make sense. I just, yeah, and that's the thing is that if we're to look back upon the RTD era in retrospect, I think Russell T Davis is the man who who has understood the character of the Doctor the most. Or given as probably my favourite version of the character, because I know there are some people that really like Matt Smith's sort of uh, teddy bear action hero, as I like to call it. Um, 
you know, because he wears a Stenson and, and acts like a cowboy and is all cuddly and fuzzy, but is fully prepared to blow up entire planets. Um, you know. It, he does, like we were talking about earlier, with the kind of world building, Davis creates this kind of, does feel like a world. Mm. And tonally, it's all very consistent. And yeah. It does. Um, before we were recording, we were talking about, you know, uh, how TV series and are, are somewhat better than movies because you can build emotional investments yeah. in the characters. And then it's very sad when David Tennant goes around at the end and he visits everyone. Um, oh, God. God, don't, because I will cry just thinking about that. Yeah. That, that montage like setting up John Barrowman with uh, Alonzo his name? yeah Russell Tilby yeah. Um, like, yeah. I don't, you don't see that kind of stuff as much mm. in the, the Martha era or certainly in the, in the Matt Smith era it, it, feels, it feels very much like um, the, the, it feels like Martha almost tried to do that with uh, like Madame Bastra as yeah. having these characters who the Doctor calls on for help, but it, it doesn't have the same weight because it feels like we're being told. We're being told these, these are the characters who are going to reappear and that you should care about. Rather than with the RTD era, which was very much here are the characters that service the story and there will be a way for them to come back in the end. You know, the fact that Mickey and Martha get together because, like, they are both, they've both been touched so, their lives have both been touched and changed so dramatically by the Doctor that neither of them know how to go back to having a normal life. So they just decide to team up and that becomes a, a little, little romance love story between the two of them. And I love that stuff. Yeah, and surprisingly, not a big finished spinoff yet. Yeah, yet, yet. I'm surprised about that one. <laughs> you know, Mickey Smith, Defender of Earth. Like, yeah. where, where is where is that big finish? Come on. Um, that's the the other thing with the families as well. Like, they just add so much depth to the companion. Yes. Yeah. We were watching a clip from uh, Matt Smith's last story, Time of the Doctor, I think it is. Yeah. Um, the other day and. You've got in that story. You've got Clara doing Christmas with her gran and her dad, and that's all fine. Yeah, like those characters don't actually have names. Yeah. We we only see them in that story. Yeah, never again and never well, before. And it's well, yeah, it's it's like I feel like you kind of get it with Amy and Rory because they are inherently a family. The two of them and their relationship through the two and a half series that they're in the TARDIS or whatever yeah. it is. But there's no one sitting at home waiting for them to yeah. come back. And and then with and then I think it's the really interesting bit about Clara is that Clara's kinda useless and kinda boring for the majority of her run as companion until she becomes a school teacher. And then there's something like her and Capaldi in the school and her having that as a thing outside of the Doctor and the TARDIS kind of gives her more grounding and more more realism as a character rather than just this random person that the Doctor has genuinely just picked up 
and she doesn't yeah. have any commitment because it, it feels then like you lose a lot of the ability for tension and for funny moments and dramatic moments and real character growth because some of the best bits of the Davies era are scenes with Jackie Tyler. <laughs> just just give me more Christmas Jackie tree. Tyler. Well, I'm <laughs> sure she's done a fair few big finish. And yeah, and obviously Donna's mum and Wilf as well. Um, to a slightly lesser extent, Martha's family because they don't really get as much, but it's still nice to have them about. Um, you know, Martha's mum doesn't like the doctor for yeah. some reason, and then they all get kidnapped by the master. Well, happens to the best of us. It happens to the best of us. I'd let John Sim kidnap me. You know. <laughs> Well, John Sim, if you're out there and you <laughs> make a bit of money on the side. And... My address is... Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not boxing myself on Spotify. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that was a, a retrospective upon the Golden Era Doctor Who. Yeah. So, I... yeah. As Go part on. of the uh, Captain Jack spin-off, not Torchwood, the, the Captain Jack Big Finish spin-off. Oh, okay. Just Captain Jack. He's got a story with Jackie Tyler. Of course he does. Which of course he does. Sounds excellent. So I might need to go and listen to that. Yeah, I, I actually. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think we'll probably leave it there. Um, Fantastic. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. This will come out in January, so it'll all be over yeah. by then. Yeah, you know. It, Merry Christmas anyway. Merry Christmas anyone. Hope that everyone have a has a good New Year. Um, and join us next time for Series 5. It's Matt a whole Smith. new era. Matt Smith? Uh, maybe we'll, we'll have a guest on. Who knows? Oh, yes. Hmm. Uh, do you have... Uh, yes, you do have a guest lined up, I think. If I remember. I have a guest. Yes, but we can not discuss to, this. No, not, not to spoil anything intently. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yes. Matt Smith, Amy and Rory, and fucking Moffat. <laughs> and another fantastic episode starring uh, James Corden, written by the illustrious Gareth Roberts. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh! I go off on one about James Corden. Um, <laughs> probably go off on one about Gareth Roberts as well. On that bombshell. In the new year. In the new year, yes. Thank you for listening to Spelling Doctor Who Beans.